Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. This week, we have a guest speaker, Walt Heyer, who is the founder of Sex Change Regret Ministries and lived as a transgender for eight years, and then Jesus set him free. Listen and hear his testimony and how we can minister to people inside that lifestyle. This is um, such a, a relevant topic that you and I need to hear. Those of you who are on Facebook right now, I just encourage you to, to share this message. Uh, because what is, what is actually happening in our culture right now is the very foundations of our culture are being destroyed. That is what's happening. So you have a biblical foundation and you have a Marxist foundation. What's happened is in our culture... That biblical foundation has been robbed from us, has been taken out from underneath us, and we are without hope if our foundations are destroyed. Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? Which is, uh, it basically says, you can't do anything if your foundations are destroyed. And so when we're, we're dealing in a culture today that their foundation is not our foundation, and so we're talking a different language. It's happening with our children. It's happening in our school systems. It's happening in our colleges. And it's based on, it's not like the other foundation is just a, a bad idea or not as good as a biblical foundation. It's evil and destructive. So we have to, we have to recognize what we're up against. And once we're able to recognize this is what's happening in our culture, then we can address it. And so um, I want to go ahead today, and we're going to show you a video clip of Walt Heyer, and just gives you a little bit of a background of who he is, and then I will have him come on up. So let's go ahead and run that video. My name is Walt Heyer, and I used to be a transgender. In fact, I lived eight years as a transgender female. The reason I'm no longer a transgender is because I found the truth. And I found out uh, it took me a long time to discover the truth, but I started my journey of what they call transgenderism uh, at the age of four and struggled with my gender identity for most of my life and uh, eventually got married uh, in my early 20s, had two children. I was an executive for an automobile company. I worked on the Apollo space missions as a associate design engineer on cryogenic connectors and struggled still with my identity until I went to one of those people they call experts in gender identity. In fact, the guy I went to was the guy who authored the original Harry Benjamin International Standards of Care. So he was an expert. And so he diagnosed me with gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria and said the cure for your problems that started when you were four was hormone therapy and gender reassignment surgery. And so I went through the protocols and spent the two years between the time I was first diagnosed uh, wondering uh, if this was going to work. And eventually in April of 1983, I underwent gender reassignment surgery in Trinidad, Colorado. It was a few years after that, about five or six years after that, I began to study psychology and of addictions at uh, UC Santa Cruz and began to crack open the books and found out that uh, people who identify as a transgender are actually suffering from a variety of what they call comorbid disorders schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, 
and many other disorders that the people who are experts, like my doctor, was never paying any attention to. And it's, frankly speaking, from my point of view as a former young child who did this, it's child abuse and it shouldn't be done. Okay, so let's go ahead and have Walt O'Hire oh, come on up. Gl Walt, we're glad to have you and Casey with us once again. And uh, thank you so much for your ministry, your friendship, and thank yeah. you for sharing with us this morning. Yeah, thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. You know, you, you got a lot of courage to bring me back again. You are. You get, you're you. gutsy. That's, that's what they're saying. You are one gutsy guy. Thanks, guys, for being here. Um, it's exciting for me to be back. Is this echoing too much, guys? Hello? Echo, echo. Echo. Is that better? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. All right. I'm going to roll up my sleeves because we got some work to do. We got a lot of work to do. Is it okay if I do that? Yeah. All right, good. Well, you know, we're in a situation right now where the world is trying to change the church. The church is here to change the world, isn't it? And so we got us in an upside-down situation. Yeah. And we can't let them do it. That's right. Come on. We're here to learn how to stop them. And I can tell you that day after day, week after week, month after year, year after year, there are people just like me that write me emails who've gone through this and regretted it and their lives were destroyed, their families were ruined, and what we do know is that a large portion of them can't make it this far because they will commit suicide. The suicides after going through this procedure are much greater after going through it than it is before. I attempted suicide myself. So it's important to try to put all these things into perspective if we're going to learn how to battle this and how we can prevent them from changing the church. Because now we see people who identify as a female who are biological males in the pulpits of some churches who are preaching their LGBT gospel. It's not of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is real clear and I want to set some foundations here this morning with one. I'm going to do three scriptures, and I need to put on my glasses uh, to read them. Genesis 1.27, do we have it? Yes, good. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. There isn't anything else. Male, female. That's it. We need to understand as believers that male and female, Chris and I were talking about this yesterday, we need to understand male, female, man and woman is a biblical term. It's biblical. And they are trying to erase that biblical term. They want to erase Man and woman. There's some, there's some states and some localities in our country that have taken man and woman off the, the bathrooms. I went into a coffee shop and went up in it, and the sign on the bathroom door said, whatever. Uh-uh. 
Uh uh. Ain't going to happen. We need to understand that male and female are biblical because God only made male and female. And we know that because man carries the sperm and the woman carries the egg. And I tell you, when those two come together, the game is over. Ain't nothing going to change after that. I don't care how many surgeries you have, how many hormones you take, how many times you say you're something else, you're not. And I can testify that because I lived that way for eight years. It's all baloney. I'd call it something else, but it's church. (laughs) We have been completely blown away by the fact of how much ground they have gained by suggesting these terminologies called transgender. You you want to know something? A little secret. Don't tell anybody. Transgenders do not exist. There is no such thing. It's a made-up word by the people who want to recreate the, the world and destroy the church. Male and female, man and woman, the way God created them, is the foundation, the cornerstone of the church. They want to take it down. We're not going to let them. Because we're going to stand tough. And we're going to understand that those biblical terms are foundational to the survival of the church and the family. Families are being ripped apart. I get letters from parents saying, my son or my daughter was raised in a Christian household. They went off to college. Now they're telling me they're identifying as a transgender. Well, there is no such thing. You can identify as a female like I did, but the problem is you can never become a female. You can identify as a man if you're a woman. You just can't become a man. You can identify as a transgender, but you can't become a transgender. You can say you're transitioning, but you can never transition. Pretty crazy to think that we have bought in and supported in many cases uh, this whole ideology that people can change who they are. What can they change? They, they can change something. But there's a term for it. It's not transgenderism, it's not transitioning, and it's not gender. It's persona. You can look it up in the dictionary. Persona. And what is a change in persona? This is the accurate definition. You know where I got the definition? was years ago when I was going to see a gender therapist before I met this guy that told me I needed hormones and therapy, who said, you know, this is all about your persona. And, and it's only been in the last few years I started to look into what a persona is. And a persona is just whatever some character plays like in a movie. is changing his persona. An actor changes his persona. You don't change anything inside. You don't become a different gender. And, and so these are important distinctions for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that nobody who claims to have changed into a woman has ever changed into a woman. Are they delusional or something happened to them? I don't know. We know that when I have an opportunity to work with people, like my wife and I have done many, many times over the last 13 or 14 years, they can tell me that there's something did happen to them. They were sexually abused. They're emotionally abused. Something happened. They were alcoholics. Maybe they got into pornography, which is psychologically very destructive. Maybe they hung out with people who 
who were identifying these different genders. They, they wanted to celebrate the LGBT. I want to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our job as believers, is to glorify God in everything we do. You cannot do that if you're identifying in something that does not exist. And now they don't want you. Today, it's sort of like, you know, if I say anything about, well, you're really not a female, that's supposed to be hate speech. Okay, let's just make this clear. I own my hate speech because I'm going to tell them the truth. You know, when they start, yeah, when they start telling me I can't tell the truth, they're going to run into a serious problem. I've been there, done that, and I know what a big lie it is, and I'm not going to continue to perpetrate that lie. People need to hear the truth. And I know my friend Bill, you know, when I told him he needed to use the right pronouns, my good friend Bill, I worked with him for many years, a cool guy, and he looked at me and goes, okay, he said, let me think about this. He said, I think I got it. I got the right pronoun. He said, I'm going to call you wacko. <laughs> and you know, Bill was brilliant. That was accurate. And that's really, you know, just between us, because nobody else in this, but beyond this room is going to know this. This is really the proper pronoun, wacko. But we need to love them. You know, Bill was saying that in love. He wasn't trying to harm me. And I think we need to understand that sometimes, in, and I, I took that as a bit of humor, and even to this day when I'm with Bill, he still calls me wacko. You know, and it's because there's, there's a lot of evidence of somebody speaking the truth when he didn't know what to do with me. I mean, I'd worked with him for many years. It's very important. So what we do know is that male and female are biblical. We should never forget that. When somebody says they're changing to a transgender something, that means they're denying that God exists. They're denying the biblical truths, and we need to tell them what the truth is. And it's okay. Proverbs. Proverbs. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You see... That's what happened to me. You know, I was, I was going to church. I would have called myself a believer. You know, I, I didn't have somebody speaking to this and saying, this is harmful, that it's going to lead to death. I thought I was actually going to become someone else, that there was something to this. I believed the lie. I didn't look into the eyes of Jesus and I didn't look at Scripture close enough to see that, no, you can't do that. We need to examine everything that we do through the eyes of Christ and Scripture. And when we, when we look at this Proverbs, it appears, doesn't it, for some people that we kind of go along and say, well, maybe, you know, they need to do that to be all right. But let's, let's look at this. Every man thinks this way is right. Because it feels, how many times have we heard it feels? It feels and seems right 
But God warns that such thinking leads to death. Most men are too in love with their opinions to change. Uh huh. Most men are too in love with their opinions to change. I'm guilty when I went through that. That's exactly right. Even if the Bible contemns their thoughts to be sinful and self-destructive. Do I have a witness? I'm a witness. Self-destructive. Examine what the process is when somebody says they're going to start identifying as a transgender female. Self-destructive. Keep that word in mind. Self-destructive. Because what do they start doing? The first thing they do is start loading up on hormones. Powerful steroids. And what we see is this change that begins to take place in their body. And what they are trying to do is destroy who they are in an effort to try to become someone they can never become because it's categorically impossible. It's self-destructive. After they begin the hormone process, what's the next part of the self-destruction? They begin to put, you know, uh, surgeries and do things to their face. They have implants if they're trying to be a woman and put implants in. They cut genitals off. Does that remind you of Frankenstein? I mean, really, when, when we stop and think about this and, and we're, we're among friends and sitting down and thinking about this, it's quite insane for a person to subject themselves to this kind of self-destructive behavior because we think we are so smart and, and we, we lean so heavily on how we feel. Feelings are driving. I, I feel like I'm a woman. No man in the world knows what a woman feels like, I'm sorry to tell you. No man has ever figured out a woman. They've been trying that for ever since, you know, and, and they ain't never going to make it either. I mean, I got a lovely wife here for 24 years, and I can tell you, I can't figure her out. I know she's lovely and beautiful, and she's a smoking hot trophy wife, I can tell you that. But for me to say that I know what a woman feels like is absolute nonsense. And anybody who says that, you know, God bless them, they're, they're struggling with something deeper than what they're realizing. I mean, I sat across from a guy who had been on hormones and his father's a wealthy doctor. And his, I told him, I, I, I don't know if I can help the guy. He says, I want you to come and sit across from my son and talk to him. And he, he, dad says, he hasn't taken hormones yet. He hasn't started the process. And when my wife and I got there, you could visually see that he'd already been on hormones. I don't know how his doctor dad couldn't figure that out. Because when I got him alone and set him down, the first thing I said was, hey, Blair, how long you been on hormones? And he turned like ashen white. He said, what? How did you know? I said, it's, it's so easy to see. The self-destruction was starting. And he sat there and told me, he says, I have a female brain. I have a female brain. That's, he kept saying, I said, oh, okay, I'll tell you what, Blair, 
we'll, we'll get a clinic. We'll go down there and have your brain checked. And if you've got a female brain, I'll shut up about this forever. He said, well, I don't want to do that. I said, why don't you want to do that? Well, I don't know. He said, you know, I, I just know I've got a female brain. But do you see how this insanity starts when you convince yourself of something that doesn't exist? And he was adamant. Now, I do know that trying to talk to somebody who's been on hormones like he had for seven months is sort of like going into a bar and talking to a guy that's on his seventh martini and trying to tell him that he's not drunk, you know? <laughs> it just doesn't work. You've got to get him sober. And so, you know, this whole idea that we are so brilliant and that we should let people do what they want to do if they want to identify this way or that way, that it's okay. Really? Is it, is it really okay to have someone that you love or care about or know go off and destroy their life? Because that's what they're doing. And we have young girls today, 12, 13 years old, cutting their breast off. They're giving kids hormone blocks. Why? Because they feel like a man, or the guy feels like a woman. It's nonsense. It's self-destructive. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing my own experience. If I can just stop one person today, thank you, Jesus. That... That means my life and my testimony has value, and I hope that does happen today. That's really the purpose. You know, testimonies are to show that God's alive, aren't they? And it, testimonies in my life are proof that you do not have to remain identifying as a transgender. My life, as I stand here, as purposeful as it is, is to show you the doctor who said I needed hormones and surgery was what? Wrong. He was also a liar because he had been doing this for many years to many people. Now, I was, as they said in there, associate design engineer on the Apollo space missions. I worked in the auto industry. My career on October 25th, that would be tomorrow, uh, was destroyed in 1983 because of this procedure. And I have never achieved the same level of stature at work. For many years, I, I was, in fact, doing menial tasks, cleaning houses, washing dishes, working... Um, I worked in uh, making donuts and bagels, and I, I tried everything. I, I went through job after job after job after job because I thought I felt like a woman. And because somebody said, if you take hormones and surgery, you can be a woman. It's wrong. But you know who else suffered? I was married for 17 years. 
and I, I ruined my wife's dream. I had two children, and I was a bad dad. I'm here to confess that I tore them up. I ruined much of their life by what I did. It still pains me today. My website, Sex Change Regret, is identified as such because I regret not what happened to me, what I did to other people. How selfish can anyone be to think that I am more important than my wife and my children? That's a lost guy right there. Today I have a good relationship with my children and even my ex-wife. And my, my wife, Casey, got to meet my ex and we all hugged and, and, and you could see the Lord working. She's a believer. So we can see the healing can come. But nobody changes genders. They change their outward appearance. Inside, they remain the same, their bone structure. Women have much larger hip area because they, they birth children. They need that. They're constructed. God made them that way so that they have the birth canal. A guy does not have that frame. He cannot do it even if they put all this stuff in place. His bone structure would not allow that to happen. Because why? He's not a woman. I don't know if it annoys you as much as it does me that our government, our leaders, parade somebody out on the news who is a biological man and place them in authority of one of our most important agencies in this country, Health and Human Services, and I'm going, really? A guy who doesn't even know what gender he is and we're putting him in health and human services? Yeah. I can see maybe putting him somewhere, but that's not where I'd put him. Yeah. But that just shows you how backwards things are and how important it is for us to go back and realize that the biblical truth is there is only man and woman. We're looking at an injured human being and my heart goes out to him. I don't know what happened to him. I would love to sit down with him. I don't hate him. I'm sorry that he's being used as a pawn by people and elevating him every opportunity they get to make as though this is a normal thing. My friends, there's nothing normal about cutting off body parts and identifying as somebody you're not. There's something really wrong with it, isn't there? So the purpose of today, we'll go to Romans. I can probably read this without my glasses, but it looks a lot better if I do. <laughs> do not conform to the pattern of this world. Isn't that what the real deal is here? Isn't that the bottom line where we're getting caught up and we're trying to fit into the world 
instead of honoring and glorifying Jesus Christ with our life and fighting back at every opportunity. I know we get a little concerned that if we say something that doesn't quite fit the world's view, that we're going to be called transphobic or whatever. And my wife, somebody recently asked me, asked her about that. And so Walt's got a little thing about worrying about that whole being called something. He says, she calls it Walt's I don't give a rip ministry. <laughs> you know, if we can't tell the truth, we're done. I mean, really, the game's over. May as well board up all the churches, close the doors, and I'll go home. But we need to stick right here with what this truth is. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. That's transgenderism. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're trying to do here in just a few moments today and understanding that there's biblical issues going on. You cannot erase the Bible. It says men and women. It doesn't say transgenders or whatever you want to do or you can be, what is it, gender non-conforming. I mean, is that like the craziest thing that you ever heard? I'm gender non-conforming. Sorry, you're either a man or a woman. You can say that you're gender non-conforming, but I hate to tell you the facts are we'll run a DNA test and it isn't going to say gender non-conforming on it. You can, yeah, you can come up with all this stuff. God's already finished that job. You just need to embrace it. And, and it's so important for us when somebody's hurting is to understand there's something going on. We don't want to condemn them. And they need to be in the pews of the church. Every last one of them. I want them here. Because they need to hear the truth. They need to be redeemed and restored by the power of Jesus Christ. Four days ago, I got an email from a, a lady who is a believer going to church. She's been identifying as a man for 40 years. 40 years going to church. And in, in her long email... She said, I'd been saying I was a believer and I was a Christian. And she said, the Holy Spirit came and jumped all over me. And she's detransitioning back from identifying as a man to the woman that God made. Forty years later. Forty years later, the Holy Spirit jumped all over her. She kept denying and denying, but when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, aha, come on, it's going to be done there. What's beautiful about this is, for us, as, as people watching these and learning from them, is it's why we need to pray for people who are struggling. Because we don't know if it's going to be, like in my life, eight years that I was out there, or ten or 15, or 40. I've had three of them at 30 years, and I thought that was probably going to be the longest. And then here comes 40 years. 40 years. Somebody's been praying for her. And she's going to have 
a lovely testimony. She's in her 60s. So if she continues, she'll be able to do this for 20 years, right, Chris? <laughs> so the renewing of our mind, which means we need to understand these are biblical facts. You can't alter, you can't change, you can't change your DNA, you can't change the sperm and all that other stuff. The Bible says you're knitted together. But who's going to unknit that with hormones and surgery? Nobody. Come on. This ain't happening. You can't unknit what God put together. Now you can deny it. Many of the people who come to the church that are struggling want to shake their fist at God and say, God made me this way. And like this lady 40 years later, we need them here because we know when they learn the truth and the Holy Spirit jumps on them, they're going to put their fist down and say, I'm ready for my transformation. I'm ready for my redemption. And I'm ready to glorify God with my life. That's the beautiful testimony. And it's only then that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for you. It took her 40 years, but she's there. That's what is good and pleasing in his perfect will. His will was for her to come out 40 years later. God's going to use her. Chris talked about our brokenness. I was an alcoholic, a drug addict. I use crazy drugs. I've gone through all these procedures and identified as a female. I recently came through esophageal, I can't even say it, esophageal cancer and had over 20 procedures. You know why? Because the Lord wanted me here today. Not because I'm good. I'm kind of rotten sometimes but because the Lord's good. And the Lord's going to continue to work in my life as long as I can. But I, I remember I was living with a pastor in Pleasanton, California, and nice guy like Chris. His name was Roy. And Roy had kind of this crusty old Texas, Houston, Texas mom, who was about that big, and she always looked like the cover of a magazine. I mean, she was like, Perfect. The southern, southern woman, perfect as can be. And she said, I want to take you out to, to dinner. And I looked at her and, oh boy, I think I'm about to be in trouble right now. So I said, okay. So we go out to dinner and she's sitting there and she said, now, now tell me. She said, you, you were an associate design engineer on the Apollo space missions? Yeah, yes ma'am, I was. And you were a big executive for an automobile company? Yes, ma'am. I, I sure was. She said, well, just tell me something. If you're so darn smart, why'd you go and do something so stupid? <laughs> now, I got to tell you something. I still don't have an answer for her. That poor gal, I mean, she knocked me right over. But ain't that a good question for us? If you're so smart... Why'd you go and do something so stupid? She. Well, we know I did it 
because when I was four years old, my grandmother made a purple chiffon dress for me when she was babysitting me. And she put me in that dress. She made it just for me, for my tiny little four-year-old body because she made dresses for women as a living. Yes, it was a perfect dress, a perfect fit, because she was good at her craft. She affirmed me. We've heard that word before. That affirmation about how cute I looked as a girl was child abuse. It's child abuse. We need to call it what it is. And what kind of child abuse it is, we need to put a label on it. It's emotional and psychological child abuse. You are destroying the mind of a young man. Destroying it. Because what you're really saying, listen carefully, what you're really saying to that young boy is, there's something wrong with you. I'm not going to affirm you as a little boy I'm going to put you in a dress and affirm you as a girl. So the message is, there's something wrong with Walt. It's abuse. It's not just affirmation. It's destructive. It begins the process of what we talked about before. Self-destruction. You're changing the, the little young mind into thinking there's something wrong with him and he needs to become someone else. But to answer grandma's question, why'd you go and do something so stupid? After two and a half years of our secret with grandma with that purple dress, I took the purple dress home because I was getting so excited about affirmations. I mean, they're like, affirmation is like a drug. Who doesn't want, is there anybody here? Raise your hand if you don't like to be affirmed. All right. That's what I'm talking about. That affirmation becomes kind of addictive. And I took that dress home because I thought what, in my little mind at six years old, I was going to put that dress on and I was going to feel that affirmation. I was going to feel cool about me because grandma wasn't loving me in my little cowboy boots and blue jeans. What happened was my mom found the dress and said, who made it? And I said, Grandma, and she blew up, and Dad blew up at her. I was the one that gave away the secret. All of a sudden, they're fighting. I could never go back to Grandma's house. I love my dad. He's a cool guy. But he was so angry. You know, you talk about a guy, a husband not liking mother-in-law. Oh, I can tell you, when you have a dad like I had and his mother-in-law was putting his little boy in a dress, can we just say he wasn't happy? And so his method, though, keep in mind, it's like 1946. We don't have any terms. There's no, nobody knows what all this is. It's just grandma putting a kid in a dress. So what happened? He decided that like a blacksmith would take a piece of steel and put it in the fire to make it malleable so you could hit it with a hammer, you're going to shape it into what you want. 
And that's what dad was trying to do with the hardwood floor plank. He was going to shape me into a man by heavy discipline, a hardwood floor plank that left welts on my butt. That wasn't really effective. It was only more destructive. His adopted brother, when he heard that I'd been wearing a purple dress by the time I was eight or nine, his adopted brother decided that I was fair game to be sexually molested. And that's what he started doing. Making fun of me, pulling down my pants, making comments, touching. He even took me up in the mountains in his car and had me stripped down naked and began to humiliate me. I'm not even 10 years old. We all need to understand something. Any event that happens, any one of those events that happen before 10 years old is psychologically, emotionally, and oftentimes destroys your entire identity. I was beginning to crumble under the pressure and didn't know what to do. So if I could have gathered myself up when this old Houston grandma looked at me and said, why did you do something so stupid? I would say because grandma made me a purple dress, affirmed me as a girl, dad hit me with a hardwood floor plank, and my uncle sexually molested me time and time again. And I got to where I did not like myself. I didn't like who I was. I did not want to be that boy who was being abused. That was not the person I wanted to be. I want to be somebody who wasn't being abused. And the idea of taking on a different identity for me that, frankly, at that time, no one knew about, I sort of escaped into this unreality. Dissociative. Disconnect, whatever you want to call it. I hid inside that little purple dress in my head because no one had ever hit the girl in the purple dress. No one ever sexually molested the girl in the purple dress. Only the boy got the hardwood floor plank and only the boy was sexually abused. So you can see how these things begin to have a deep impression. I was never homosexual. In fact, 90% of the people that I work with who identify as transgender are heterosexual married men. Identities were broken by something that happened to them. They don't, they don't have same-sex attraction. They don't desire to be homosexual. They desire to have their life back. They desire, as Chris was saying, to take all the broken pieces and put them back together again, Humpty Dumpty. The only one I know that can do that is Jesus Christ. The only one that we've reported and worked with who have a full life redemption 
find it in Jesus Christ. Now, there's groups out there in gender clinics that are tearing them apart. And we need to be equipped to put them back together with Jesus. And you know what? They're not going to stop tearing them apart. They're catching them on the internet. They're teaching them. Our schools have become indoctrination centers. Every time I get a chance, I say, take your kids out of school if you can. Schools are terrible. It's LGBT headquarters. They may as well put up, instead of school, LGBT indoctrination centers. No more reading and writing and arithmetic. It's all about how to be an LGBT specialist. How to act out homosexually or lesbian or whatever. It's all about feelings. About feelings. But it's more about brokenness. If we find out what broke them. What broke them? Why don't you like who you are? Why don't you like who you are and why do you want to destroy the very thing the Lord Jesus Christ created? And you can see in this old man standing right here today that when you come back to Jesus, there's a lot of life in there. And it ain't dying now. We want everybody to have that life. We're all broken. Yes. You know, the LGBT people are not special in brokenness. I've got, I got to tell you. Yeah. Everybody is broken. So we can't single them out. But we all need Jesus Christ to get redemption and restoration. Yes. And in closing, I will tell you that when I was struggling with alcohol and drug addiction, I went to my therapist and wrote out my fourth step, which if you're a, a person in recovery, you understand what a fourth step is. And I wrote out all these things and I took them to the therapist. And we went through them for two, three hours. And when we were done, we walked outside his office in Pleasanton, California, with the yellow line paper I put everything down on, and he lit a match to him, and they started to burn, and the gentle wind took all that, and all those pages burned up and took off. It's very cathartic. But this guy, PhD psychologist, Christian believer, said, okay, well, we need to go pray. And I went, whoa, pray. Now, full confession, I'm like a 30-second prayer guy. This guy, was he would run on for an hour. I was kind of a quickie guy, and I thought, oh boy, I'm going to miss dinner. I'm going to miss my favorite TV shows, and I'm going to fall asleep while he's praying, because he was a long prayer guy. But he'd helped so much, I decided to sit down with him in his office. He sat there, I sat here, and he began to pray. And he prayed. And I remember at one point I go, okay, how long is this going to last? Because I hadn't really engaged yet. I wasn't there. And he continued to pray. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't hear him. 
It was, he, was still, he was still praying. But I couldn't hear anything. But I looked up. And I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. And he had his arms stretched out. And he was coming toward me this way. And I'm looking at Jesus going, oh my gosh. I don't hear him praying. I just see Jesus. And I looked down at what Jesus was looking at, and there's a little baby. I looked at the baby and I said, that baby is me. He's coming for me. The Lord picked up that little baby and held him in his arms. And he turned to me and he says, you will be safe with me forever. And he disappeared. That was the moment. I was redeemed and restored so that I could stand here and share with you my testimony today. Thank you all very much. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.